a ton of content out there, and if you don't know where to start, it can be overwhelming, even paralyzing. So let's fix that. Welcome to Simply Cyber, a community of tens of thousands of aspiring and active cybersecurity professionals focused on networking, knowledge sharing, and professional development. I'm Dr. Gerald Dozier, Chief Content Creator at Simply Cyber, inviting you to get the answers to your cybersecurity problems with hundreds of cybersecurity videos answering your frequently asked questions, interviewing industry experts, and live streaming daily cyber threat briefings hosted by me. Now get the stories and insights you won't find anywhere else. Hit subscribe now and dig into all the fresh content on the channel and in the community. Nothing should stop you from launching and leveling up your cybersecurity career today. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Monday, January 22nd, 2024. This is episode number 540 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Brief Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Gerald Lozier, and over the next 45 minutes, me, you, Arturo, MM, Kenyon, Kenneth Ruff, Marcus Kyler, and the Yeet Crew, like Johnny Five, not only IT, Zemeth, all the Yeets in the house, Tom Bishop coming from the boot, Ms. Julian coming from the great New England space, Carol, Carol with the mods, and all the folks over on LinkedIn, like Eric and Ezon, Vladimir and Linda. Guys, if you're on LinkedIn or YouTube, if you're a first-timer, you're a long-timer, it is all gravy, baby, because we're all going to be shredding the top cybersecurity news stories of the day, and I'll be giving my expert opinion and analysis on each of those stories on what it means to you as a practitioner, whether you're a GRC analyst, a SOC analyst, a CISO, a red teamer, a blue teamer, a all-color teamer. There's going to be value for you here tactically, strategically. How can you apply this to drive cyber risk reduction for your stakeholders? There is going to be great, great opportunities to apply these things. Now, if you're looking to break in the industry, don't think this is just for practitioners only because you are going to be a practitioner, my friend. And you will be asked in any job interview, how do you stay current on the industry? This right here is the cheat code on how to do it. Also, by the way, networking is incredibly valuable in, in, in addition to getting practical skills. Two windows over is the full chat, the live stream going on with Natalie Garrett, Brent B, Ellery Dora, Sly Cooper. Say hi in chat. What's up, everybody? Network with each other. This is an inclusive community, and I do emphasize the word community. Hashtag Team SC. Let's go. Now, before I get into the news, before I start face melting like uh, Indiana Jones in the Last Crusade, I do want to give a shout out and love to my good friends, the sponsors. And not only are they sponsors, but they're also, uh, all three of them, I'm very fortunate, are dear friends. So let's start off with shout out to Barricade Cyber Solutions, guys. Barricade Cyber Solutions, led by Eric Taylor and the team over there, they all They've been such a longtime sponsor that they have an emote in the emote trade. Get up on that. Barricade Cyber Solutions is dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues for businesses, massive, and send dedicated, hardworking business owners into turmoil. But Barricade Cyber Solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. Believe that. Check them out at barricadecyber.com. Links in the description below. Uh, this is an inside joke, but this is Eric Taylor, the CEO of Barricade Cyber. He occasionally hosts uh, the show. 
And that's what he sounds like when he flips out. <laughs> I sound like this. And Eric sounds like that. I also want to say shout out and love to Panopsi Security. Panopsi, get a partner who understands your cyber program and business goals. Whether you've got short-term needs like a tabletop exercise or an enterprise risk assessment, or you have long-term needs, how do I mature my InfoSec program from tier one to tier four? And how do I do it in a logical way that's respectful to money, resources, time, and most importantly, cyber risk reduction, right? Knock out those low-hanging fruit with the high-risk reductions first, and then roll out uh, better controls as time rolls on. If you don't know how to do any of that, don't sweat it. And if you do know how to do it, but you don't have time for it, don't sweat that either. Because right here, Panopsi Security, that's what they do. They help businesses get to where they need to go, and then they move on to the next client. That way you're not committed to like a, a full-time uh, staffer and trying to find work for them and everything. They come in, they're like the A-team. They drop in, they solve the problem, and then they drop out and go on to the next one. Not before lighting a huge cigar and then doing a wheelie in a black van with red trim right out of the window. All right. Also saying shout out to Anti-Siphon Training, but more about them at the mid-roll. I want to let you all know, my friends, that I do not prepare or research for any of the stories that are coming up. I almost always don't know any of the stories that are coming up, although I will tell you the last story of the day. I did read a little bit because it had something very um, uh, personal to me, so I, I was curious and I had a couple extra minutes, so I read it. So I, I don't know what's coming. You're going to get my honest, raw reaction. It's going to be all about good times. I do want to say one thing, that each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Brief is worth half a CPE. Half a CPE. So say what's up in chat, grab a screenshot, file it away. And when you are ready to do your CPEs, uh, just count the number of files you have and multiply by 0.5. They work for CompTIA. They work for ISC squared. They work for ISACA. Chances are they work for whatever uh, certification body you have. So get the CPE. Say what's up in chat. If you don't know what to say, say hashtag Team SC at a minimum. Even if you've already said something, say Team SC. Because you know what, guys? We are one team. Also, if you are here for the first time, welcome to the party, pal. I want to say welcome and super happy to have you. If it's your first episode, please drop a hashtag Team SC in chat. Just say Team SC. I mean, excuse me. Hashtag first timer. I got all distracted there for a second. Hashtag first timer in chat because we have a special emote and we have a special sound effect for you, but we don't know it's your first time unless you say something. And I want you to know that this is a very supportive, inclusive community. So we all, we always make the circle bigger. We'll always grab another chair and open it up and put it down so you can sit down. Everybody is welcome here. It is Monday, which is uh, every day of the week has a special segment, and we are going to be doing Simply Cyber Community Member of the Week segment. We got a great one today. Many of you know him. Lance is in the house for his first time. Welcome to the party, pal. Welcome to the party, pal. I see Lance. I see Second Chance Nomad for the first time. Andre Really, what's up? Welcome to the party, pal. Welcome to the party, pal. Get your sound effects here. Get your emotes. This is John McLean looking out the window right there for you first timers, letting you know, welcome to the party, pal. It's so great to have you here, guys. All right. Well, as fun as it is to kick it and drink coffee and wear Black Hills Information Security merch, <laughs> it is time to work. 
It is Monday, so we're going to have jawjacking segment at the end of the uh, stream. If you want to hang out, do a little AMA action. I'll give you an update on Cyber 101. I worked about 14 hours this weekend. I'm not exaggerating either. But we are so close. Labs are ready. It's going to be hot, hot, hot. But for now, what I need you to do is sit back, relax, and let's let the cool sounds of the hot news wash over all of us in an awesome wave. I will see you all at the mid-roll. From the CISO series, it's cybersecurity headlines. These are the cybersecurity headlines for Monday, January 22nd, 2024. I'm Steve Prentice. Russian hackers breach Microsoft executive emails to learn about themselves. Microsoft has revealed that between November and January 12th, the group known as Midnight Blizzard, Nobelium, APT29, and Cozy Bear, quote, used a password spray attack to compromise a legacy non-production test tenant account, end quote, and from there accessed a small number of corporate accounts. The mission appeared to be to find out more about what Microsoft itself knew about the APT group. Microsoft has stated that they have seen, quote, no evidence that the threat actor had any access to its customer environments, production systems, source code, or AI systems. This group is famous for allegedly hacking solar winds in 2020. What the hell? I'm sorry, Kennedy. You know, I was joking when I said face melting news stories. I didn't know we were going to come out the gate hot right here. Like, what are we doing? Okay, Microsoft executives at Microsoft, a Fortune 10 company. Hold on. Uh, Fortune, I'm just curious. Fortune 500, Microsoft. Where do you sit, Microsoft? Where are you in the Fortune 500 list, my man? Number 13. Number 13. Okay, a Fortune 20 company, Fortune 50 company, whatever, however you want to split the split the baby here. Credential stuffing attack. Okay, guys. Do you know what that is? First of all, it means brute force attacking with credentials that were compromised somewhere else or with like a rockyou.txt word list. So right there, crappy password or reused password. Pick your poison. I don't care. They're both bad practices. Next item, not having multi-factor authentication in 2024 at a Fortune 50 company. Third, it's executives, VIPs, you know, basically the people who fly on private jets and have like, you know, uh, murdered out Denali's pick them up at the tarmac. What are you doing? What are you doing? Okay, and, and they said, okay, yeah, of course, of course, of course, the um, p- customer information wasn't, impacted they they weren't after it you knuckleheads they like okay so what i don't get is the one thing i don't understand is how do they understand what the intent was the threat actors exfiltrated emails and attached documents how do they know that they were trying to find out about themselves did they leave a note like like thanks for letting us know about us like there's no sticky note the threat act cozy bear doesn't send like thank you cards like a Harry and David gift basket with thanks for the intel. So I think that's a little bit of a speculation, but um, the, the other thing I want to know is um, 
where was this system? They said it was not a production system at the beginning. Um, at the beginning of the story. So, yeah, nation state corporate systems. So somehow, okay, okay. Uh, Eric Taylor saying there's search results in the M365 autologs that can show that. Okay, so they can see what they were doing, um, I guess, to say if they were searching on their own name, like Midnight Blizzard. Okay, we'll give them that. Um, but it compromised a legacy non-prod test tenant account. All right, here's the deal. Here's the deal, all right? This is this is why information security needs to be, like this is why vigilance is required. This is why some people don't wanna do this job. You can't just set it and forget it. This isn't a Ronco rotisserie turkey cooker. This is information security. And what we do is important. And you need to do regular audits of accounts and validate that they are appropriate and still needed and properly secured. This legacy non-prod tenant test tenant account was a test account. It should not have continued after the testing was done. You should have disabled it. You should have put detections on it. You should have done a million things. Why is there data? Like what? Like here, okay, so, all right, I'm sorry. I'm like losing my mind. A couple things here. One, best practice, just know that these uh, executives got popped. For yourself, if you're running cloud or you're running on-prem, make sure that you're doing regular account reviews of system accounts. Make sure you're doing regular audits of what systems are online. It may not be a production system, but a non-prod system is still a system. And if it can get accessed, from the internet, then it can get accessed, okay? They said non-prod. That doesn't mean that it's not like a dev test environment. When you have, like I see this all the time, like when you have a dev environment, it's awesome to like have loose controls and stick a bunch of data in there and do development stuff. Yeah, don't let's, let's not impede the developers, okay? Or the researchers. But you need to have strong controls around sanitizing that environment when you're done. So many people, it's like, so many people like will be like, oh, like, oh, like all this, like trying all these different things, like innovative, like let's bring in these, let's bring in these WordPress plugins. Let's bring in these different libraries. Let's try this, try that. Let's innovate fast. Let's move fast, move fast and break things. And then like, once you finally tinker into like whatever the solution is, then you're on to the next thing. And I get that it sucks, but you know what you need to do? You need to clean up the mess you made. It's like my kids with Legos. Like, yeah, awesome. You made the Batmobile. I love it. It's so cool. I'm super impressed with you. But you cannot go on and play Fortnite now until you clean up this hot mess express of Legos on the floor because otherwise I'm going to step on it, which is the same as like a compromise. I know that the metaphor is a little loose, but my point is you can't, you, you have to do the full circle. You can't just be like, oh, I'm a creative. I can't be doing the normal things. I just invent stuff. Yeah, that's cool. But guess what? Clean up your mess or else it's going to be a bigger hot mess for everybody. Case in point. Jesus. Fancy. Oh, my God. I, I skipped the story. I'm all over JP the JP Morgan Chase said. I am sorry. Let me, I just got to. I, I, I have to collect myself. <gasps> the vapors. Oh my God. I don't, I, I, I didn't know we were going to come out the gates hot on this one. Holy Jesus. Woo. Hacking attempts are increasing.
Speaking to the World Economic Forum in Davis last week, the head of J.P. Morgan Chase's Asset and Wealth Management Division, Mary Callahan Erdoas, stated how her organization had seen, quote, a sizable increase in attempts by hackers each day to infiltrate its systems over the last year, end quote. As the largest U.S. bank by assets, J.P. Morgan Chase, quote, now invests $15 billion a year and employs 62,000 technologists to, in part, help fortify its defenses against cybercrimes, end quote. CNN adds, quote, banks across the United States and Europe have reported a surge in cyber attacks over the past few years. Some of that increase has been blamed on Russian actors in retaliation for sanctions put on the country after its invasion of Ukraine. The rapid acceleration of artificial intelligence has also led to more complex attacks, end quote. All right. So thank you, J.P. Morgan and CNN Business for giving me a a yogurt story here for me to like calm down. Uh, J.P. Morgan says hacking is increasing. Okay, guess what? Financial services, the hacking has always been intense in that region. Um, If you're looking for, uh, you know, Opportunities. Uh, the financial services sector is is you know typically one that hires more for infosec. Um, they recognize the need for infosec, uh, whether it's engineers, architect, analyst, etc. So I will tell you, I worked in financial services for like three months. Okay, three months, and I was like, nope, hard pass. I'm good. See ya, dude. People are mean in financial services. And I don't have time for, I don't have time for mean. Like I get that we're serious and we're doing business here, but don't, don't call me and yell at me over the phone. I'm, I, I quit. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to deal with that. Um, so anyways, financial services, they make wicked good money too. That I don't, I don't have the metrics, but I can tell you that of all the industries that like the salary, the uh, banking industry is going to have higher salaries. Also, if you work in financial services, I want you to know that of there's an ISAC, um, which is an information sharing and analysis center, um, which which is basically like a cleared newsletter forum list for people who are cyber pros that work in financial services to sh- share intel, share IOCs, TTPs, all that stuff. So if you do work in financial services, I see Xenix 74 works in London Financial. Um, if you're not in the FS, actually, I don't know if like international people can get on the ISACs. I don't see why they couldn't. But uh, if you're not in the FS ISAC, get on it um, because it's it's being in any ISAC is pretty valuable. Um, so I'll just say that. And, uh, you know, the, the fact that AI is increasing activity, that's like, whatever, like, obviously. Shall we? But, dude, AI, you should be using AI to do defensive stuff, too. So, you know, what's up? Yeah, see, a lot of people in chat, Omni Investments, uh, first in comments today. Good to see you, Omni. Uh, all the people who work in financial services or have any experience in financial services are echoing what I told you. It's like... It's just, I don't know. It's not, it's not for me. I, I like, I don't need that. <laughs> Team viewer still being abused to breach networks in new ransomware attacks. According to the security firm Huntress, the popular remote access tool Team Viewer is still being used by ransomware actors to break into the endpoints of organizations to deploy encryptors. 
Bleeping Computer points out that the techniques have not changed much since a 2016 attack in which the surprise ransomware was successfully deployed after threat actors used a credential stuffing attack. Team Viewer, in a statement, reminded customers and the media that most instances of unauthorized access involve a weakening of Team Viewer's default security settings through the use of easily guessable passwords, which is only possible by using an outdated version of their product. The company stresses the need for complex passwords, two-factor authentication, allow lists, and regular software updates. <sighs> All right. Cool. All right, here we go. Here we go. Team Viewer is a legitimate remote access solution, right? Say you're an MSP and you serve multiple clients and or you have parents or you have family members that live somewhere else in the country and you're basically their IT support. You might install TeamViewer, which is basically like Microsoft Remote Desktop or LogMeIn or any of those things. You can jump on their box. You jump on their box and it's like you're sitting there at the terminal. The Indian call scammers, they love themselves some, uh, I think it's uh, any desktop, which is basically the same thing as TeamViewer. VNC, like there's a million uh, solutions that do this, what TeamViewer is. And there's a completely legitimate use case for it. The thing is, the agent running on TeamViewer for every, like, so let's say that me, Marcus Kyler, Omatola, and Jay and Michelle all work at the same company and we have TeamViewer. It's like an agent running on your box and it reaches out to a centralized cloud uh, management console, which is what the MSP would log into. And then they could remote in, right? So they make that connection. And then without getting too nerdy, I think it becomes a peer-to-peer -peer connection after that, but it doesn't matter. The thing is, the portal is internet facing, which means anyone can hit it. Um, if you have your team viewer pointing to the internet or your laptop is running team viewer and it's on an internet IP or whatever, you're exposed, okay? Now they said here, it wasn't zero days. It wasn't elite level hacker. SolarWinds 2.0 didn't happen. Somebody took Hydra and brute forced attacked it. Guys, this is the same freaking thing that just happened to Microsoft senior executives. Stop using crappy passwords. Stop reusing passwords. Stop not having MFA. What are we doing, people? It's a remote access solution into your internal environment. What are we doing? So for practitioners, please validate whether it's TeamViewer, log me in, it doesn't matter. We'll use TeamViewer in this instance, but validate whatever remote access solutions you have in the environment that you're responsible for securing. Then make sure that they're secured with basic, basic access cyber hygiene controls. Next. Educate your end users, like Carl. Carl is an avatar end user for you first timers here. Um, I, I Basically, we say Carl is the end user that we're trying to help, not a problem. Just Carl, if in, in absence of information, Carl makes bad choices. Listen, educate, like get the team viewer and log me in all sorted out, but educate your end users that, hey, listen, we there are tons of remote access solutions out there. You're not allowed to install them. 
it's probably not the best tack to take, but maybe you say, hey, there's lots of remote access solutions out there. At our company, we have a team viewer license or we have a log me in license or whatever. If you need this service, please contact IT to get a license. Enable them to have a solution. And I'll tell you why. I swear to God, I have done audits on users and systems in my environment and discovered remote access solutions I didn't even know exist. Apparently, Google like Chrome, like Chrome OS or something, there's some type of like Google remote access solution I didn't even know about. I found the engineer whose machine I found it on was like, oh yeah, yeah, no, no, this is perfect. I remote in like, and I was like, why? And he's like, well, because I work all weekend and I don't want to drive down to the plant. I just, I kick off a job on Friday and then I log in all weekend and and monitor the progress and work on it. I'm like, all right. So we got that particular user sorted out on an appropriate solution. But my point is end users, especially more tech savvy ones, will fit, well, they don't understand what the risk is that they're introducing. All they see is the feature and functionality that they're introducing. And by the way, this particular end user, the dude worked like 90 hours a week. So the bosses loved them because basically they were paying them a hundred grand a year and getting 2.5 FTEs worth of work out of them, right? So which means they're really paying them like 48,000 a year. Again, whatever, I don't care. If the engineer wants to work his butt off, go for it. But my point is he's introducing risk without knowing it. And it's completely non-malicious intent on his point, uh, on his part. So first of all, audit your stuff, make sure it's secured, educate your end users. And again, I say this all the time, you need to maintain regular monitoring because if you check it on Monday, January 22nd, and you've got nothing going on and you're like, oh, I'm the best InfoSec pro ever. Guess what? On Tuesday, when Carl comes in, because he took a three-day weekend and he installs Log Me In, if you, 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 you have to check with regularity. What are you going to wait a year? You're going to get 364 days of risk exposure? No, no, nobody got time for that. Um, yeah. Pom Pom Purin gets a 20 years supervised release. Following up on a story we have been covering for a while now, Connor Fitzpatrick, the admin of the Breach Forum's hacking forum, and also known as Pom Pom Purin, has been sentenced to 20 years supervised release in response to his guilty plea to the counts of conspiracy to commit access device fraud, solicitation for the purpose of offering access devices, and possession of child pornography. During the first year of home confinement, Fitzpatrick will be restricted from accessing the internet and is required to register with state sex offender registries. He has also been ordered to pay restitution for losses incurred by the victims with a specific amount yet to be decided. Wait a minute. So this guy ran some type of like breaching forum? And he com- he, he uh, pled guilty to access device fraud which basically means, I guess, um, unauthorized access, solicitation for the purpose of offering access. So he was selling access to devices and then possession of CSAM, which like one of these things doesn't, one of these things is different than the other, okay? Selling in like initial access, it's not good, but that's like, that's criminal. Having possession of CSAM, how is this dude? I mean, again, I don't, research these stories. So I don't know if other users on his 
forum were posting that material and he just happened to have hard drives with it on. But typically in the circles I run in, when you when you catch somebody with CSAM, they don't get supervised home sentencing for 20 years. How is this guy? Does this even make sense, dude? 20 years supervised release? What the hell is that? What kind of punishment is that? Doesn't even make sense. 20 years? No jail time? CSAM. All right. Let's see. Um, let's see. Uh, released on $300,000 bail by his parents. Law enforcement. Regulators. Mount up. It was a. All right. It says the, the United States recommended the court impose a sentence of 188 months, right? So like 14 years of prison time. And he got supervised release. Am I misreading this story? Thank you. Joel Belton uh, is confirming what I thought. This, the, I don't know, guys. I don't know what kind of lawyer this dude had. But to me, this, this punishment doesn't correspond to the level of crime that was committed. He's got to pay restitution. Okay. All right. Well, I guess if you run a uh, a major tier one hacking forum, you know, there's precedent that's been set. Uh, Luke Canfield is suggesting that he's turned into an informant. Maybe. Let's do the tinfoil hats. I don't know. what He had to have made a deal, right? All right, let's keep going. It just, I don't know. Listen, I, I, I'm not saying like anybody who commits a crime needs to be thrown in jail and like never see the light of day, but I don't know. 20 years? 20 years supervised. Looks like, okay. And now a word from our sponsor, Conveyor. 8.30, right on the dot. Nice job, Nick any Barker. In seconds. Yet InfoSec teams are still in a living nightmare, manually filling out questionnaires. Conveyor's AI can now use your uploaded security documents to auto-generate precise answers to entire questionnaires. This software that one of their customers dubbed in 2023, quote, my favorite security tool of the year, end quote, has gotten even better, and it takes just minutes to get started. Try a free proof of concept at www.conveyor.com. That is C-O-N-V-E-Y-O-R.com. All right. Welcome to the mid-roll. Hey, All right, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to the mid-roll. Hey, first timers. We do this every day at the mid-roll. want to say shout out and thanks to all of you awesome people. 468 of you glorious folks here today with us. If you're getting value from the stream, either educational value or entertainment value, hook it up and hit the like button on YouTube. Why might you ask? Here's the deal. Some of you first timers may have found the show because last week people were hitting the like button. It triggers the YouTube algorithm. We all search for some, um, for cybersecurity content on YouTube. So when you hit the like button, the YouTube algorithm is like, oh, 468 people that like cyber, like this cyber show. Maybe we should tell other cyber people. 
that's as simple as that. Hit the like button. It goes a long way. Thank you to the stream sponsors, Barricade Cyber, Panopsi, and my friends, Anti-Siphon Training, Black Hills Information Security Zone. I'm wearing a Black Hills shirt right now. Love the people over there. John Strand, Deb, Jason, everybody. Listen, Anti-Siphon Training, not only is it, are they a sponsor, but they're disrupting the traditional cybersecurity training industry. How are they doing it? Because they provide high-quality, cutting-edge education to everyone, regardless of financial position, offering students the opportunity to learn skills taught by industry awesome practitioners in a very inclusive way and practice what is taught. Now, check this out. Literally, literally next week. Today is January 22nd. Next week, January 29th. John Strand is offering his own active defense and cyber deception course next week for free if you want to take it. If you have the time, I've taken it. I strongly encourage you take it. This is the course right there. There is a link in the description below directly to register for this course. Pay what you can. Pay what you can. Zero dollars, boom. $25, boom. $400, boom. Whatever you want, pay what you can. This course is awesome. Also, the following week, the first week of February, John Strand's back at it again with SOC Core Skills. This is an awesome introductory course. Uh, it introduces a lot of like fundamental concepts. So if you're if you're you know just want a refresher or you're breaking in, this uh, SOC Core Skills is phenomenal. Same thing. Links in the description below. Free if you want it to be taught by John Strand. Giddy up on that. Thanks so much, Anti Siphon Training, for being awesome at everything. Guys, I want to tell you, we are doing the anti, uh, the anti siphon. We're doing the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. If you would like to blow up your professional network in a meaningful way, check it out. Go on YouTube or go on LinkedIn. Simple, right? Go on LinkedIn and search for the hashtag on the screen. Hashtag Simply Cyber Community Challenge. And what you can do is find the people posting and comment on their posts and connect with the posters and the people in comments. You will grow your professional network actively with like-minded, inclusive people. And the next people who come through will connect with the people in comments, which is you. How do you do it? It's simple, simple, simple. Go over to LinkedIn, search for that hashtag, Simply Cyber Community Challenge, comment and send connection requests to grow your network. You'll do it actively and passively. It's amazing. Now, Edwin Blanco, we do one person with the baton every day. Edwin Blanco currently has the baton. I don't know if he is in the chat, but if he's not, we'll tag somebody. If you want the baton, if you want to share your story and be the person who posts today, let us know in chat. Use the hashtag and tag me in the post and we'll get on it. It'll be awesome. All right. Every single day of the week has its own special segment for today. It is Simply Cyber Community Member of the Week. And I would like to introduce you all to Carrie. Carrie Chasen down in Texas. Carrie's been a longtime member of the Simply Cyber Community. Been working, putting in the effort, showing up every day. Always got a joke for everybody. Carrie, say hi to him in chat. Keep grinding, Carrie. You've got this, my man. Always putting in the work. Great example of commitment and vigilance to development. All right, guys, let's get back into the stories. All right, there we go. And there we go. Pioneers, a phishing attack leaves questions. 
The global payments processing company Payoneer suffered a serious attack on customers' accounts in Argentina, which resulted in many seeing their accounts drained. This attack started as a standard phishing campaign with the users of the service receiving password reset requests via text message. But according to the record, quote, even those who did not click on the links in the text or approve the password reset said they opened their accounts to either find themselves locked out or to see their money gone, end quote. A representative for Payoneer stated, quote, Unfortunately, some customers clicked on these fake links and shared their account login information with fraudsters or encountered newer modes of fraud that compromised their mobile phones, end quote. However, the spokesperson, quote, did not respond to requests for comment about what victims are supposed to do now that their funds are gone, and it is still unclear how the hackers were able to bypass several layers of security to conduct the attacks. Oh, boy. Not good. Um, it, okay, so this is a spokesperson for No Before. Um, 80% of MFA solutions people use are fishable, and everyone, when given a choice, should switch to phishing-resistant forms. Yeah, if if given an option, uh, perhaps you should do that. Um, all right, so here's the story. This platform, Payoneer, uh, people were getting text messages with phishing links. Uh, the, okay. So, you know, basically classic social engineering phishing. Hey, they probably said something like, Hey, there's like been like a fraudulent activity on your account. Or, I mean, if you got a text message right now that appeared to be from your bank that said your account, your total account balance has been withdrawn. You might get a little concerned. You may be uh, a little emotional and quickly click on the button that says click here. If this is not accurate or whatever. Uh, the one thing that's interesting in here is that they say people who did not click on the link were also compromised. Um, that's very interesting. Because um, if you just think about it logically, I don't see how that really works. Unless you're like next level doing some type of like Pegasus NSO group level infection where it's no click and you take it over. And then... Even then, you still need to get access to the platform, which would mean you'd have to wait until the user logs in and then you steal their creds with like an info stealer. And then you have to steal their cookie if they're using MFA. Like there's a lot that has to go on for it to be people who did not click on the link. I do wonder if the people who say they didn't click on the link actually clicked on the link and they're just, you know, mistaken. Um. Uh, I tell you what, if I was using Payoneer right now, I would absolutely move all my money out. Um, this totally sucks. This totally sucks. It would be interesting to see more into this particular attack, though, um, only because I'd be curious to see what the text message looked like and then how they're leveraging it. Oh, all right. So BSEC is uh, in mod chat saying that people did not click on the link, found their accounts were locked out, not emptied. That makes more sense. I thought they were saying that the people who did not click had their accounts with uh, uh, drained anyways, which would be weird, right? Uh, for the reasons I outlined. But if their accounts were locked, that makes more sense. A standard control that you should have in your environment for your access controls is that after you know 15 attempts, the account locks out. This will ensure that like normal users who are fat fingering their password don't get locked out because typically after like five attempts, you either get it or you get frustrated or whatever. Or you do a password reset. But 15 attempts, if you're running Hydra, 
you're going to hit 15 pretty quickly, right? With credential stuffing and stuff like that. Um, I will tell you that, you know, obviously you, you introduce a denial of service type compromise where like, let's say I don't want Jesse Johnson to log into his bank account. So I just constantly blast 15 attempts into Jesse Johnson's account and uh, lock his account out over and over again. You could do that. Um, but now you're just being more of an, a jerk off than you are um, trying to commit financial crime. And I don't know who's got time for that. That's more of a revenge attack. But anyways, not good. If you're in Argentina, this sucks. I don't know if they have FDIC type protections like they do in the United States. I don't even know if Payoneer would fall under that um, uh, protection, but it's not good. And guys, guess what? This is I almost feel like uh, this is this is terrible for everybody who's a victim of this, but I almost feel like a sense of nostalgia. Okay, like ah, uh, hold on, like uh, what what would be like ah, uh, like this is the kind of cyber attacks we used to deal with in like the mid, like late two thousand aughts and like early two thousand teens before ransomware took off. Right, this was at Fin Seven. Go Google Fin7. They were like, like uh, Fin7, like uh, Zeus, um, Banking Trojans. Um, oh my God. What was the one? There was one that sounded like the the name of the monster in the first Ghostbuster movie, like uh, Gordo or something. Like anyways, it used to be straight up financial crime. It was very clear who the bad guys were and what they were doing. Um, so anyways, it still sucks for the victims. All right. Senators asked Department of Justice to investigate facial recognition technology. A group of 18 senators led by Senate Judiciary Committee Chair Dick Durbin have communicated with the Department of Justice, raising concerns about, quote, the agency's funding and oversight of what they called frequently inaccurate facial recognition software, end quote. This inquiry is based on evidence that facial recognition technology more commonly misidentifies black people than white people. Specifically, they say the technology may, quote, potentially violate Title VI of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, which prohibits discrimination under any program or activity receiving federal financial assistance based on race, color, or national origin, end quote. Wasabi Seed and Screenshotter Mel. All right. Um, yes. So... I, I appreciate this. Obviously, uh, surveillance capitalism... Facial recognition technologies, they're implementing it in a lot of places. We saw um, the guy who owns Madison Square Garden is running it at Madison Square Garden with the idea that, um, you know, oh, if there's a terrorist attack, we can quickly find the terrorists. Yeah, no problem. But then the same guy who owns Madison Square Garden is using it to identify lawyers who are working for the law firm that are suing Madison Square Garden. And then as soon as they enter Madison Square Garden, for a Rockettes uh, musical performance, they kick the lawyers out. So it is being used in ways that are not okay. In this particular instance, um, a, a Georgia man was incorrectly arrested and held in jail for six days for doing nothing other than looking similar, according to a facial rec recognition technology, to some other person that was being looked for. So yes, obviously this is not good. Um, you know what it makes me think of, honestly? It makes me think of a, um, what do they call those stupid things? A polygraph exam, like a lie detector exam. Lie detectors are like, you. as far as I know, they're not like admissible in court because they're not 100% accurate. 
I feel like this type of technology needs to be treated in a similar way. Um, or else first, I mean, I'm not even talking about surveillance capitalism with authoritative controls where you just round people up based on like quickly scanning a crowd and identifying defectors or people of, who are dissenting uh, mainstream opinion. What I'm talking about is false positives, frankly, and the challenge that that introduces. 18 senators asked the Department of Justice to investigate that. I'm sure tons of politicians are getting paid fat money for their campaigns and super PACs um, to support some of these companies that are rolling out big techs. Think about think about how much money. Great cash, homie. Think about how much money uh, the contracts are going to be for rolling out major uh, facial recognition technologies all over the place. I will say this, um, you know, the people who are in federal government that are like, oh no, this is good. Yeah. You know, what's everything is good until, um, you know, oh God, what's his name? What was the kid's name in Caddyshack? Who was like the nephew or the grandson of the rich guy who was the bad guy? Spalding. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Every, I, I don't know why I, I just gave myself a Ric Flair woo. Cause I felt so good for for that pulling that deep cut, but like, yeah, oh no, no, hey, it's a real shame. It's a real shame that profiling's happened. It's a real shame that it's misidentifying people. But we really need to keep moving forward with this until Spalding gets picked up and thrown in jail for six days, and then all of a sudden hell breaks loose, and it's like, no, we're not going to stand for this. Pull it off the shelf. So to me, this is really one of those things where, like, it is. I'd have to do more research, right? But it is appearing to be a civil rights violation. But until it hits you personally, you know, like it's not going to have the same gravity as it would as kind of a thought exercise on, oh, like, what do you think about this? Okay. They're distributed through bogus invoices. This activity is being attributed to a threat actor known as TA-866. The campaign was identified and blocked by Proofpoint on January 11th and involves thousands of invoice-themed emails with PDF file attachments. Proofpoint's report stated, quote, the PDFs contained OneDrive <laughs> URLs that, if clicked, initiated a multi-step infection chain, eventually leading to the malware payload, a variant of the Wasabi Seed and Screenshotter custom toolset, end quote. According to the Hacker News, there is evidence to suggest that the organized actor may be financially motivated owing to the fact that Screenshotter acts as a recon tool to identify high-value targets for post-exploitation. All right. You, so, um, like, the most... The most uh, <laughs> like, Captain Obvious comment I've ever heard in my life. Invoice phishing alert. They believe the threat actor is financially motivated. Great cash, homie. Of course, of course. This is business email compromise 101. Chris Young, you haven't seen Caddyshack? Oh my. Oh boy, it is classic. It's absolutely classic. It's like peak, peak Bill Murray Chevy Chase. Uh, it's kind of the original like SNL uh, migration to the to silver screen uh, or whatever, the movie screen. All right, so invoice phishing alert. It drops a um, screenshotter. Dude, when you get in there, normally business email compromise is just trying to either get in and uh, get you to pay URL, um, pay URLs, pay invoices. But this one goes a little bit further, a little bit more mature, a little bit more sophisticated, where they drop a PDF in there that will have um, links to a OneDrive URL. Remember, OneDrive, no, no, 
no business, no IT company, no cybersecurity, me, nobody is blocking links to OneDrive. You will absolutely dork up business operations if you try to block links to OneDrive, Google Drive, Dropbox, et cetera. So fraud actors know this and they're putting PDFs up in there, which is malicious PDFs, initiates a multi-step infection chain. So first of all, you've got to trick the end user with the email. If you do, then they click on the link and they have to pull down a PDF that's malware. The, um, the malware is going to detonate on your machine, which has to happen. EDR has to not detect it. And then they're off and running uh, on your box. Uh, I don't know what Wasabi Seed is. It's a Visual Basic script dropper. So, I, you know, basically it works in Windows environments, which is, you know, most of them. What I would say to you is the following. One, make sure your end users are educated on, um, you know, obviously, right? Oh! 101, dude, you got to educate your end users. It's honestly, it's one of the most valuable risk reducing controls. I know it's GRC and it doesn't have a cool blinky light or sexy interface, but end user awareness training is vital. Second of all, email security gateways, make sure they're tuned up and uh, doing the best they can to block malware. Third, ooh, eh, I'll give you, a, I'll give you a, a, a nod for your infographic here. Mm-hmm. Um, make sure that you are, there's gotta be IOCs on this thing. Uh, give me a second. What are we doing here? Just, we're just throwing around in, uh, infographics now. Um, okay. Um, all, I guess what I would say is I, I don't see it here in the story, but trust me, there are absolutely indicators of compromise IOCs for this particular attack. Um, from the VB script running to the PDF malware, et cetera. Um, go pull the IOCs down, which are indicators of compromise. Um, they're going to include IP addresses, um, process names, file names, behaviors, and just go threat hunting in your environment if you have access to a SIM and you're wanting a threat hunting exercise. Also, if you did my home SIM lab um, YouTube video that is you know, blowing up is like 70,000 views since last week. Thank you very much. If you enjoyed that uh, SIM video, N not that you're going to find this in, you shouldn't find this in your home lab, right? But it is a good exercise to go into the SIM and look for these behaviors, right? Just, just as an FYI. And if you really wanted to go hardcore, I don't recommend doing this, but if you wanted to, you could detonate the malware in a VM and then use a SIM to, to look and verify that. I, I, I That's like really hardcore. I wouldn't do that because you run the risk of shooting. You almost run the risk of like Plaxico bursting your own um, VM, which is a callback. Plaxico Burris was a receiver for the New York Giants and he brought a gun into a nightclub and shot himself, shot himself in the leg. Uh, so I use that as a metaphor to mean don't shoot yourself in the leg. Don't detonate malware if you if you absolutely don't know what you're doing. Oh, well, here we go. Our very own mod DJ BSEC has provided a incredible deep dive into this particular attack from Proofpoint, which by the way, I've used Proofpoint in the past. Phenomenal, phenomenal um, email security gateway. Phenomenal, okay? I, they don't pay me to say that. I'm just telling you, I've used them. They're wicked good. I love me some Proofpoint. Look at these infographics. Hey girl, hey. <laughs> 
All right. Um, I'll come back to you. I'll leave this tab open. All right. So um, if you want a deeper dive into this Wasabi thing, I've dropped a link in chat. Ransomed schools reveal a hidden cost of ransomware. Mold. One of the lesser discussed but still serious outcomes of a ransomware attack was revealed last month when the Pawtucketville Memorial Elementary School of Lowell, Massachusetts, released its indoor air quality assessment prepared by the Massachusetts Department of Public Health. Mold growth in the elementary school caused a delay in its opening due to, quote, conditions that appear to have been brought on this past summer by a combination of a lack of heating, ventilation, and air conditioning systems controls due to a cyber attack of the city of Lowell's computer systems, end quote. This is just one of a number of schools that have suffered structural and environmental damage due to ransomware. Others, including a school district in Ohio, for example, were forced to cancel classes due to a trickbot infection that required the re-imaging of 1,000 computers and laptops. If- All righty. So this is the story I did read. I'm originally from, uh, or I grew up in Massachusetts. Um, Lowell is, is North Shore. North Shore guy. Good beefs up there. You know what I mean? But uh, Boston Rob knows what I'm talking about. I get my beefs from Danvers, Supreme, three-way, hold the mayo. So I really go two-way. I just get it extra drippy on an onion. You guys know what I'm talking about. If you don't know what I'm talking about, I I know I'm speaking in tongues here, but man, I got to tell you, like 6,000 calories and like a a coronary, but it it is worth it. Rex, today's, tomorrow's my birthday. I'll turn middle-aged, 39, membership, my birthday present to myself. Welcome to the party, pal. Rex is a long timer. Good to have you. Happy early birthday. All right, guys. So check it out. Um, What they're saying in this story is that malware um, infections led to compromised OT systems, HVAC systems, which led to um, mold in the systems. Now, um, a couple things here. One, I totally get it, right? When we think of the impact of cybersecurity attacks, it's often very technical, right? Like we think of like, oh, like we were unable to check email or we're unable to process payments or whatever, right? But there are other downstream impacts. And in this instance, they're saying that the school's HVAC systems went offline. And because of that, uh, it was unable to treat the air and it led to mold. Now, a couple things. One, very interesting. Uh, you can see this high school in uh, Ohio, Coventry, uh, canceled school because IT issues. This this tweet right here, yes, this is true. A cyber attack brought the school down. This has nothing to do with like mold. They're just pointing out that schools are impacted. We've covered multiple times on the show that uh, K through 12 schools are notoriously underfunded. They typically don't have dedicated infosec staff. They have limited IT staff who are responsible for like networking, imaging, staff, uh, emails, MFA, and, um, you know, school labs, et cetera. And also, by the way, InfoSec. So they're limited. Now, the one thing I will say, and I want you to put this in context, and this is why, in my opinion, it's always valuable to read past the headline, okay? If, if, if it matters to you, right? So if you work for a K through 12 school, like some of us, <laughs> like some of us used to just recently, you can use this story and say, hey, listen, I know you're not giving me budget, but 
I want you to know that there are some real significant impacts besides just being down for a day. We could get mold. Do we have budget to do mold cleaning? Do we have budget to do um, sanitization, you know, sanitization and stuff like that? Um, so it can help you make the argument to leadership about getting paid. But what I want to tell you, Matthew Pelkey, what's up? He, Matthew Pelkey's echoing uh, what we're saying. What I do want to tell you, though, is check this out. I read this report, this indoor air quality assessment. And what it will reveal, if you read the whole report, is that, yes, the HVAC system's going down definitely contributed to the problem. However, that school in Lowell, the HVAC system is over 20 years old. It is end of life. It needs to be replaced. That school in Lowell has bird nests in their HVAC system. That school in Lowell has like crap on top of the outputs and inputs vents, right? So like that HVAC, they have mold in the ceiling already, ceiling tiles with water damage, roof leaks. That school in Lowell with mold everywhere, it was already a hot mess express, okay? So like the cyber attack, it, it was just like throwing another like tire on the tire fire, okay? Like it, it wasn't necessarily the reason that it happened. Okay. So definitely worth looking into. Um, but you know, I'm just saying it definitely contributed. However, it is not the main cause. It's not like TrickBot got infected and all of a sudden like mold spores appeared. It's like, ah, mold. All right. Guess what guys? You need some extra motivation to look forward to the end of the week. We've got a really fun I do not need extra motivation because I'm here, baby. Holla, 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 guys. We're at two minutes before the hour, which means I got two minutes to tell you that this Thursday, if you're interested in if you're interested in web application pen testing, or you're just interested in awesome people having awesome conversations, come on out Thursday at 4:30 p.m. Eastern time because my man Tiberius is gonna be my guest. Literally, um, you know, I don't do pen testing. I just wear the red team shirt on TV. Um, I was talking to Heath Adams on Thursday last week, uh, AKA the cyber mentor, if you know who he is. And I was talking to him, I'm like, Oh, Tiberius is my guest next week. He's like, Oh my God. He's like, that guy's a wizard. He's like, I thought I was good at pen testing. Tiberius is like next level. So like somebody like cyber mentor is talking up how amazing Tiberius is. So I can't wait to get into it. We're going to be talking about web app security, bug bounties, um, the industry. It's going to be sick. I, I, I We labeled it a fireside chat so we could take it wherever we want. But I'm super excited to uh, get to know Tiberius. And I'm really excited to bring him to all of you this Thursday. So giddy up on it. We are right at time. So I want to thank all of you for being here. I'm Jerry. This has been the Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Briefing Podcast, episode 540. Holla, holla, holla for all those first timers. I hope to goodness. I hope you come back. We did not get a volunteer for the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. So we do need somebody to uh, volunteer right now. If you would, please take a hot minute and let's get a part. Let's get a volunteer before we move into jaw jacking. Who wants it? Who wants the baton? Who wants to be the Simply Cyber Community baton holder? We could definitely use somebody. Who's going to make it their day to share their story? 
Alexander Brown. Alexander Brown. Alexander Brown. Look forward to your post, Alexander Brown. Everybody go on LinkedIn and look for Alexander Brown's LinkedIn Simply Cyber Community post. I'm Jerry, your chat. Until next time, stay secure. Let's get jawjacking. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the party. I'm Jerry. Let's get some cool tunes going. Oh, yeah. What's up? Hope you had a great stream. This is Jerry Guy with some jaw jacking on the back end of the Daily Cyber Threat Brief. It's still me. It's still me. But we just kind of break it up and have a good time. If you're a first timer here, basically we, on Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, when I don't have to teach, we do 30 minutes of just kicking it. We share what happened this weekend. We share our wins. We share our resources. I see Deb Wigley in chat. What's up, Deb? Good to see you. Since Deb's here, I do want to remind everybody, I already told you in uh, the Daily Cyber Threat Brief, but I'm telling you guys, do not sleep on this opportunity. Next week is Active Defense and Cyber Deception, and the week after is SOC Core Skills with John Strand. Use the links in the description below. It's literally pay what you can. And I don't know the next time John's going to do it. He doesn't. He tries to do it a few times a year. But I'm telling you, don't let the, you know, um, don't let this opportunity pass you by. It makes me think of that scene from um, Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels at the beginning where Jason Statham is doing like the three-card Monty where he's selling like watches. And it's like, um, oh my God, it's like, there's some like little rhyme he says like, uh, oh my, oh my is what you'll cry when the man with the deals has passed you by or something like that. Anyways, anti-siphon training, giddy up on it. Adam V, I have not heard back from the second interview for the IT position. It's been the longest plus one day week. So Adam V, I mean, honestly, you guys tell me, this is a good topic. For me personally, um, a week is reasonable to follow up with an email and just say, hey, listen, um, you know, hey, I just wanted to reach out. I really had a great experience. Let me know if there's anything else that you would you need from me to help with your decision making. It's polite, it's professional, and it reminds them, right? I'm telling you right now, time of of, of all the things, time is the number one thing that kills any deal. And basically a job, getting a job, I mean, that's a deal. You're making a business transaction. I'll sell my time for your money. Uh, don't let time kill it, Adam. Also, you can't be pestering. You can't like, you can't, have the interview at 9 a.m. and then at 5 p.m. the same day be like, have you guys made a decision? Like you gotta be, you gotta be cool. You gotta be chill. Uh Jay and Michelle says, Do you think that the active defense is too advanced? No. So G Jay Ian Michelle, active defense cyber deception. It is a little more advanced than SOC core skills, but I will tell you, it's not too advanced, and I'll tell you why. Um, assuming John teaches it the same way, what's really, really cool about active defense and cyber deception is that the whole class is not just hands-on skill, uh, nerdy, like, you know, hacking stuff. Like John actually has a couple lectures in there on like the legal and ethical boundaries of doing active defense. He has a lecture in there about, um, like, you know, poison versus venom and you like the, the theory behind using honey tokens, honey accounts, all those things. It's really a, a nice, well-blended class. Plus Jay and Michelle, the networking is phenomenal. And, um, 
you know, basically you step through everything. So even if it's a little too advanced for you, like, oh my gosh, I don't understand what I'm doing. You'll still get the repetition in the hands-on keyboard. I would, I would hundred percent recommend it. If somebody came to me right now and said, Jerry, I don't know what to do next. Tell me. And they were like, you know, like earlier on in their career and they had time, I would 100% tell them to take both of those. There's no reason not to. Jerry, uh, Jay, a uh, pastor of Muppets says, Jerry, did you hear you correctly at the start of the show? CompTIA now accepts your CPEs. Yes. So pastor of Muppets, um, I made this decision last week. We did a little investigation. Check this out. Uh, CompTIA CPE policy. Check this out. This is the CompTIA official website. These are the CPEs. Um, look at, learn more about CEUs. Do, do, do. Uh, let me see. So here is the CompTIA website, right? You'll notice here under how many CEUs can you earn? Attend a live webinar is this one right here. And they said you can earn up to, you know, whatever, 10 CEUs per, you know, for sec plus or whatever. In my opinion, each episode is a live webinar. It's not like the daily cyber threat brief is one live webinar for the year. Every episode. Now it's only half a CPE, right? It's only one half, but guess what? We do it like 230 days a year or something like that. More than enough. So yes, Pastor of Muppets, I would argue strongly that it is completely applicable to CompTIA. What else we got? Uh, speaking of uh, CompTIA, I want to give a shout out to Jesse Johnson and Slay Security Plus. If you guys don't know, uh, Jesse is uh, running Slay Security Plus, which is a YouTube channel live stream. Jesse gets together every, I think it's every Thursday, right after the main one. And basically does live quiz questions. It's a really interactive uh, experience. So if you are studying for Sec Plus or just flirting with the Sec Plus, uh, go check that out. Lincoln, I just dropped it in YouTube chat. What else we got, y'all? Nick Parker from the Elliptical. Yes. I love it. I love it, Nick Parker. What else we got, y'all? John Hoyt. Oh, John Hoyt, my man. I love myself some John Hoyt. He'll be dry, he'll be in the active defense class next week. Guys, if you have a chance, you should say hi to John Hoyt. But if you are in the active defense class next week, there will be like a Discord server for all the students. Say hi to John Hoyt. I love John Hoyt. I've known John Hoyt for, Jesus, John, how long have I known you? Like 10 years? Up at Clemson, he runs the program up there. Solid dude. Solid. Wicked smart on um, security operations. All right, what else we got? Um, what else we got here? Uh, and uh, Ottawa Oasanya says, where can I find the link for the active defense course? And when is the web pen testing class coming up and on what platform? All right, so Adewale, first of all, the link to the uh, anti-siphon training is in the description below, but I'm supposed to use a link that you can, um, that I can provide information to uh, um, anti-siphon training, but like I, they're, they're very cool. I don't think they're going to be upset too much. Here it is. Um, Ottawale. Here is, here it is. Look at 
And I'll take you right through it. Look at, wait, hold on one second. I'm dropping it in chat, but you might not see it on LinkedIn. So look at, watch this, Otto Ollie. For all you out there, type in anti-siphon training. Anti-siphon training in Google. Anti-siphon training. Then click on the first link. Then you'll get here. Go to training. Go to on-demand training. Go to on-demand catalog. Click on active defense cyber deception. Scroll down. Click on this button right here. Register. Fill out this registration form. And then win. Win, 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 win. All you do is win, 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 no matter what. Ottawala, you're going to crush it. Uh, now, as far as the web application pen testing, you misheard me. I said that Tiberius is going to be my guest next uh, this Thursday. So in a few days, Thursday, January 25th, Tiberius is an expert on web application pen testing. Borderline next level. He will be my guest. You can ask him as much questions as you want. Okay. All right. What else we got? Um, Omo Lawani, squad member with the red badge. Is there any class on CISM exams? Uh, not that I know of, uh, Omo Lawani. CISM is the Certified Information Security Manager certification. It is from ISACA. I have the system. It's expired now, but I still claim to have it. Um, I've never seen an exam. What I would recommend, Omo, if you want to study it, is get the official ISACA um, training book. ISACA's, if anyone in chat has has an ISACA certification, I'd love your opinions on this too. But ISACA, their certification exams, they, they ask the questions very specifically and they're looking for very specific answers. And I would argue, I've worked in the industry a long time. I don't agree with all the answers that ISACA says is the right answer. So you have to know like what ISACA wants you to say. But it's the closest exam to like, to me, it's the, that's the best exam for CISO, if you want to be a CISO. Shallow Crab, I don't know if I've missed it, but are there any updates or feedback from the beta testers that would hype us for the Cyber 101 release? Okay, Shallow Crab, my man. Okay, so let me give you all a Cyber 101 update. First of all, the beta testers have gone through the course and provided me exceptional feedback. I have gone through and um, I'm still making lots of edits to the feedback. I will tell you all of my lectures, there's like 75 lectures, by the way, it's insane. All of my, in fact, can I show you? Hold on, I'll show you on stream if you wanna see it. Give me a second. Stand by, stand by to stand by. All right. Check it out. This is going to melt everybody's face. I think. I don't know. Maybe not. All right. Check it out. Here we go. Cyber 101. This is it. This course is freaking massive. I've incorporated all the feedback. The only thing that I haven't had a chance to do yet is um they like I, I, let me show you this really quickly um let me let me start this one so every every class have like, every class is going to have like or lecture is going to have like an intro of what we're going to learn here a lesson summary and then I do a transcription of everything for ADA compliance 
every single video has a um, has uh, closed captions burnt into the screen, right? So you see how you see how I've burnt them all in. There are some typos in the um, in the uh, closed captioning, so I have to go back because I burned it into the video. I have to go back and re-render the videos to make the closed captioning work. I mean, to, to update the closed captioning, which is a boatload of work, a boatload of work. So that's the only thing that's kind of outstanding. Now, another thing I want to tell you that's super dope is that you'll notice that there are labs, lots of labs. Now, this is a lab that I use a different platform, but I, this weekend, this weekend, I literally spent 14 hours this weekend. I worked basically all Saturday and all Sunday, <laughs> like from early in the morning, like 6.30 until, you know, a little bit after lunchtime and did a whole bunch of labs. You guys are going to love this. I've partnered with TryHackMe. Okay. Look at all these labs. Okay. All these labs. And I've, I've gone ahead. I've built all these labs out and I have filmed all these labs. So, um, basically the, the videos are now with the, um, with the editor to get sorted out. Let me see if I can show you this really quickly. And hopefully people are interested in this because I'm, I'm going a little deep on this, but like, look at this. Um, can I show you this? Uh, like all, the, like I filmed all these things. All right. Is hit enter right here, here. Like I'm showing you how to do fishing landing pages. Nick Barker from the elliptical, you know, the fishing landing page, this whole lab shows you how to do it. So it's a lot of work. I'm getting the editors to um, burn in the subtitles and all that other stuff. But we are super close, y'all. Super, super close. I'm thinking like as early as next week, I could start enrolling students. Um, I talked to uh, Heath. Uh, TCM called me last night uh, to hook me up. The certificate that you get when you complete Cyber 1-1 is going to be like wicked awesome. I showed it on stream a, a little while ago, uh, the template of it. It's going to be cool the way like the way that like TCM Academy certificates are cool. We're going to have cool ones. So anyways, I'm very, very excited in case you guys couldn't tell. I'm freaking wicked excited. Um, so hope, thank you, Shuttlecraft, for asking. I hope you guys are pumped, too. Um, Becky Gaylord found out yesterday she passed secure network design for her master's at Cyber and WGU. Boom, Becky. Boom. I love it. I love it. I love it. Curiosity for Life says, I saw a post for a network technician at my current company that has A-plus as a qual. Do you think they would accept SecPlus or do you think they actually want A-plus cert? All right, so Curiosity for Life, I would say that, I mean, technically A-plus is a different skill because A-plus is more kind of hardware and understanding the, the hardware pieces. Um, SecPlus is a different skill, but what I would say is, if you're interested in it, I would apply for it and say SecPlus and uh, basically get to the hiring manager and talk to them. If it's your current company, you should be able to get a direct line to them. Talk to them and get up on it. Um, yeah. Oh, by the way, shout out to Josh Mason. You'll see on the Try Hack Me Labs that Josh Mason is one of the co-creators, co-authors. Josh was instrumental in getting the labs um move forward, getting them done. Um, I collaborated quite a bit with him. Um, major shout out to Josh Mason. Um, 
<laughs> I, I sent him a gift basket. I was so um, like indebted and like, ugh, like here's a gift. Thank you so much, Josh. Um, I'm taking the second chance nomad who, by the way, is a first timer here. I'm taking Google CyberSec now, but I'm really interested in digital forensics or differ in general. Any advice on my next plan? Well, yes, Second Chance Nomad. First of all, a couple things. I've got a video for that, okay? Um, let me see. Uh, YouTube.com, Simply Cyber. Jessica Hyde, Differ, Simply Cyber. Second Chance Nomad. I'm going to tell you this, really, this is like, take, take, take one step back and then take 50 steps forward. This video right here, this might be one of the most unbelievably valuable videos on my channel. And I like, I'm not being, uh, pretentious or arrogant. That is saying a lot. I have over a thousand videos on the channel and they've helped a lot of people. This video arguably might be the most valuable one. This is Jessica Hyde. Hi, Jessica. Jessica Hyde is exceptional. She is a exceptional sought after digital forensics expert. She does a lot of like very high level government stuff. Like she is freaking amazing. She came on my show and we talked for a little while and she dropped so many resources that it was unbelievable. If you attended that live stream, Please tell Second Chance Nomad what your thoughts are. So what I would say, Second Chance Nomad, is yes, I can send you it, it, only 1,600 views. This is a tragedy. Like the amount of value in this is ridiculous. So I'm going to drop a link in this. Um, what I would tell you, Second Chance Nomad, is watch this video, bring a notepad, jot down all the things because Jessica actually goes into like, if you want to do this kind of digital forensics, go here. If you want to learn this kind of digital forensics, go here. So um, let me do this really quickly. It, it, it was unbelievable. Also, since we're here, just to share with everybody, this website right here, Differ Diva, um, from Alan, Alan Wright, she's awesome. This, this uh, resource is super dope too. Right here, giddy up on this, differdiva.com, differdiva.com. So much value um, on the web, on, there's two digital forensics values. Uh, Nerman uh, Zlotnovich, always coming in hot uh, with the super chat. Can we just become best friends? Yep. Hello, Dr. Osher. I signed up for the GRC Analyst Masterclass and already completed 30% of the course. The course is very educational and 